Welcome to this week's Crowd Church service. We are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus helps us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow. Our service will last about an hour and in a few seconds we will start with a time of worship after which you will meet our hosts for our service who will introduce today's talk. After the talk, we head into Conversation Street, where we look at your stories and questions that you've posted in the comments throughout the live stream. I want to invite you to connect with us here at Crowd Church, and there are a few ways that you can do just that. Firstly, you can engage with Crowd from any device during our live stream. And if you're up for it, why not invite a few friends over and experience the service together? You see, church is all about connecting with God and connecting with others. And one of the easiest ways for you to do that is to also join one of our midweek groups where we meet online together to catch up and discover more about the amazingness of Christ. You can also subscribe to our podcast called What's the Story, where we deep dive into stories of faith and courage from everyday people. More information about all of these things that I've mentioned can be found on our website at www.crowd.church or you can reach us uh, on social media at crowdchurch. If you're new to crowd or new to the Christian faith and would like to know what your next steps to take are, well, why not head over to our website crowd.church forward slash next for more details. And now the moment you've been waiting for is here. Our online church service starts right now. Well, good evening. <laughs> Welcome to Crowd Church. Uh, my name's Matt, and in, beside me is the incredible Dan Orange. Great that you're here. Great that you have joined us. We've just had a bit of a mad tech yes. issue, haven't we? We're definitely live, <laughs> just to prove that we're live. Just to prove that we are live. We've got it all working. Record and it's timing. It, yeah, it's by the seat of your pants. <laughs> and the reason why uh, it was a little bit shoestring, it was because um, I was a bit late getting in. Because I've just been at Abby Sharple's wedding, who is now not Abby Sharple's. Abby and Amy, congratulations. Yes. If you um, if you don't know Abby, and most of you watching this won't have a clue who Abby is, Abby was around in the early days of Crowd before she went off to university. She was part of the church plant team. Absolute legend, beautiful voice, part of the worship team. Done quite a few of the talks, actually. You can see her in some of the videos. Um and yeah, super, super awesome. So really excited for Abby today to celebrate. Uh, with her uh, yeah Matt's putting the comments here Abby is a legend she's totally is uh, a legend definitely uh, good to see you, Matt good to see you, Graham welcome uh, if you are watching us uh, Dan what have we got coming up while I catch my breath yes so we have Pete Farrington coming up and talking to us um, on Axe so I'm really looking forward to that yep oh it's nice to be back I know you've been back we've been back a week but <laughs> summer and it feels like summer because in the UK it's actually warm. It's so hot. It's quite warm in this. It room. is so so hot. <laughs> um, at the wedding, at Abby's wedding, um, we <laughs> she the wedding was in this beautiful uh, glass house, this huge sort of greenhouse type thing. It was so warm. So when we were in there, uh, and Sharon and I were like, "Where should we go sit?" I was like. 
There's a fan right there. (laughs) I just literally went and sat right next to the fan because it's so hot and muggy today, uh, which is often not something you hear the Brits talk about uh, or complain about. But, you know, we're British. We like to complain about the weather. So, yes. So it's good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Good to be back. So we've got the legendary Pete Farrington, who is going to be sharing God's word with us, which we can't wait to get into. If you're new to crowds, um, let me introduce myself. My name is Matt. This is Dan. uh, And we are an online church just, you know, trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. And to help us do that today, we've got Pete Farrington, who is talking from the book of Acts. Um, and then you and I are going to be back for Conversation Street. Sounds very good. Talking about the talk. So without further ado, should we get into the talk? I think, I think we should. Sounds, I'm going to press yeah. this button here and just pray it works. Uh, yeah, the Lord be with us, please. <laughs> <laughs> Off on the prayer of the tech team. Uh, I've, uh, I've got no glasses because oh, this yeah. is my third day of contact lenses. I can actually see you. Does it look a bit weird? Oh, is that what Matt's put in the comments <laughs> yeah. here? You forgot your glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got your contact lens yeah. in. Can you see all right? I can. I've got a red eye today trying to get me in. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've all, anyone that's had contact lenses knows exactly what you're talking about right now. Uh, we just do. It just is the way it is, right? Uh, with the old red eye. So, yes. Uh, well, you know, uh, even though your glasses aren't here, you are, which is am, obviously yes. an important thing. So, anyway, that aside, let's get into the talk. If you're new uh, to crowd, we've been doing the axing. Tell them about the axing. Yeah, we've been doing the axe thing for a good while. I mean, <laughs> there's not that many chapters. We're up to chapter 13, and we've done way more than 13 talks. Uh, but we've, yeah, we've it's done a very a lot detailed um, walk right through Acts because if you want to know about the Christian church, Acts is the place to start. It's the Acts, it's the things the apostles did, the, the leaders, the starter. Yeah, yeah. The start of the early church. That so, they did. Good that they did. Start. It's been a phenomenal series mm. so far. And I missed it. I mean, it was great over the summer. The guys did the Psalms, which was great. And, yeah. But it's nice to get back into the whole Acts thing. Um, and so, yes, we are going to kick off uh, the second week. We're back into the Acts thing. We've got Pete Farrington. Dan and I will be back after this. So grab your notebooks, grab your pens, write in the comments. We love your questions. We love your thoughts as we go along. Dan and I are going to talk about them when we get back. So we'll see you uh, in just a short while. But here's Mr. Pete Farrington. Hello, Crowd Church. It's a pleasure to be able to share with you again today. Now, I think I've said this on here before, but I absolutely love painting. And during the process of a painting, I will usually a couple of times take a photo of it and then digitally play around with the contrast in order to see how much I need to increase the contrast in order to really make it the image pop. And I grew up in the church and I think that for most of my life, the message I'm going to share today didn't really do much for me. It was like the contrast had been turned all the way down and I could discern the general shapes and basic information, but it didn't grip me. It was, it was easy to look at, but it didn't challenge me. It wasn't an arresting image. It wasn't an image that could hold my gaze like a masterpiece in the Louvre. But that all kind of changed a few years ago and, and now I find that my eyes will never finish taking in all there is to see and I will never exhaust it of its beauty. So my prayer today is that the, the, the contrast will be turned all the way up for us. And today we're going to be looking at um, Acts 13. Uh, it's a bit of a long passage, so I'm just going to kind of summarise it quickly and then we'll hone in on a couple of verses. So Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey 
And after arriving in the city of Antioch, they go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Um, and then after the reading of the scriptures, the rulers of the synagogue ask Paul and Barnabas if they have a word of encouragement for the people. And Paul and Barnabas then kind of give this overview of the history of the Jewish people, how God chose this people for himself and he made them great in the land of Egypt. And then he, he led them out of Egypt, put up with them during their disobedience and rebellion in the wilderness. And then he, he wiped out their enemies before them and brought them into the promised land. And then they spoke about how he gave them Jesus through the line of David, just as he had promised he would. And Jesus carried out all that had been prophesied about him. He was executed and laid in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And, and then for many days, Jesus appeared to his followers. And all God's promises to Israel were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And this sermon then reaches its climax in verses 38 and 39. It says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And in those two little verses, Paul so wonderfully encapsulates the gospel. And it has striking similarities to Peter's preach on Pentecost, just found in Acts 2, which happened some 15 years earlier. Peter said this, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. So 15 years had passed since that preach on Pentecost, but it was still the same message. And 2000 years on, the message is still the same. And actually, Paul was around when, when Stephen had stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts 5, if you remember that, um, when, when Stephen said this, God exalted Jesus at his right hand as leader and saviour to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we're told that Paul had approved of Stephen stoning that day. And here he is now in Acts 13, preaching that very same message that he'd wanted Stephen killed for preaching. In Jesus Christ alone, there is forgiveness of sins. And for the rest of his life, Paul was gripped by this truth. He said later in 1 Corinthians 2, um, verse 2, he said, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Elsewhere in 1 Corinthians, he said, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. But what about Jesus? What, what did he have to say? In Luke 24, we see, he said, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that he, the Christ, should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Now, I just think this is amazing. Let's think about it a moment. What does it, what does it mean to understand the scriptures? Because the Bible has something to say about all matters of life and God's word should inform how we live, how we think, how we, uh, how, we, how we respond and how we feel about things in this world. It's got something to say about everything, sex, marriage, parenting, government, work, leisure, the church. But if we ever just start seeing the Bible as like a guidebook for how to be good people or 
as a formula for personal development or or how to for living a fulfilling life, that it won't be long until we go way off track. Because Jesus showed us here in Luke 24 that, and it's not the only time he did this, that this is his story about what he came into this world to do. And he was saying, hey, you guys didn't understand the scriptures because you didn't see that I was on every page. So how is the story going to make sense to you if you don't even recognize the main character? But let's take a step back and go to those, go back to those two little verses in Acts 13. I'll read it again. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Now, you might be thinking, what is the law of Moses and what's it got to do with me? Well, the law of Moses was that the 600 plus commandments and regulations given uh, by God, the foundation of which was the Ten Commandments. You've probably heard of them. Um, But the law is really like a mirror. It, It shows us our condition. And Romans 3 speaks of how through the law comes knowledge of sin. It says this in verses 19 and 20. The law's purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So God's law shows us what that standard is. That standard is perfection. It's holiness. Galatians 3 verse 24 tells us that the law was a a, a tutor or a guardian. It couldn't actually save anyone. It was useless for that. Galatians 3 verses 10 to 11 says, Those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. Now, I think the message that we really don't like is not necessarily the message that we need a saviour, but rather the message that we can't and won't be the ones to save ourselves. Like I remember seeing a short while ago uh, an image posted on Instagram which brazenly declared, we will save ourselves. Now, Jesus really didn't have a lot of positive things to say about the Pharisees, those people in his day who thought that they were doing a good job at keeping the law and, and they look down on others who, and, and think, well, at least I'm, I'm not like those, those people over there, I'm better than them. And self-righteousness might not look quite the same in our day and age, but I, I would posit that we're living in a time in which people are just as self-righteous as those in, in AD 30. Not a whole lot has changed in 2000 years because we look with condescending eyes at the history books, pointing the finger with disdain at those who've gone before us for for having faults and blind spots and for not reaching our superior level of morality. Society is constantly drawing up revised lists of of acceptable opinions um, to hold and, and telling us this is how you can be good. This is how you can be pure. And we, we frantically scramble to, to signal to the world that we've purified ourselves. And those who don't hold to whatever the accepted beliefs are, 
are done away with and expelled from the community. We see this all the time. And of course, in, in years to come, if someone were to look through, look, to look at our lives through a microscope, there'd be nothing to be ashamed of, right? Like no one in times to come would ever find a reason to, to pull down statues of us, would they? Because despite, despite us living in a, in a post-Christian and post-religious era, I really couldn't help but notice a, quite a strange ritualistic and religious nature to some of the responses to George Floyd in 2020. People were told, you've got to do the work, read this list of books and give money to these organisations, repeat these mantras, post a black square on your social media. You can be clean, you can purge yourself of your sin. But then people were simultaneously told the work never ends, keep doing the work. The work never ends. And I'm saying all this not to upset anyone, but merely to say that no matter what age you live in, no matter what culture you look at, you're always going to find countless man-made means of attaining forgiveness, salvation and purification. And every single one is futile. The work never ends because the debt is too great. Like We've seen this, I think, recently in the UK with the case of um, the, the killer nurse, Lucy Letby. We pile 14 life sentences on her to, to recognise the value of the lives of those precious image bearers of God who were wronged. And with a one life, she can't pay it. But what happens when the one who is wronged is not an image bearer of God, but God himself? How can one mere man pay the debt? He can't. So we're going to get a little bit f philosophical now for a moment, if you'll indulge me. Um, C.S. Lewis says in his wonderful book called Mere Christianity that there are two odd things about the human race. First, that they were haunted by the idea of a sort of behaviour they ought to practice, what you might call fair play or decency or morality or the law of nature. And the second thing was that they did not, in fact, do so. He says, for the trouble is that one part of you is really on God's side and really agrees with his disapproval of human greed and trickery and exploitation. You may want him to make an exception for you in your own case to let you off this one time. But you know at bottom that unless the power behind the world really and unalterably detests that sort of behaviour, then he cannot be good. Now, on the other hand, we know that if there does exist an absolute goodness, it must hate most of what we do. And that is the terrible fix that we are in. If the universe is not governed by an absolute goodness, then all our efforts are in the long run hopeless. But if it is, then we are making ourselves enemies to that goodness every day and are not in the least likely to do any better tomorrow. And so our case is hopeless again. We cannot do without it and we cannot do with it. God is the only comfort. He is, he is also the supreme terror. The thing we most need and the thing we most want to hide from. He's our only possible ally and we have made ourselves his enemies. Some people talk as if meeting the gaze of absolute goodness would be fun. Well, they need to think again. Now you might respond to C.S. Lewis and say, well, what is deemed good or just or moral, that can differ across cultures and time, right? Like, it's all subjective, isn't it? To which he'd reply, 
Well, the moment you say that one set of moral ideas can be better than another, you are in fact measuring them both by a standard, saying that one of them conforms to that standard more closely than the other. But the standard that measures two things is something different from either. You are in fact comparing them both with some real morality, admitting that there, there really is such a thing as real right, independent of what people think, and that some people's ideas get closer to that real right than others. Like if, if, your, if your moral ideas can be truer and those of the Nazis less true, there must be something, some real morality for them to be true about. So like I said before, God's law shows us what that standard is, what that real right is. And what C.S. Lewis was really doing there was unpacking Romans 2, where it says in verse 14 to 16, for when Gentiles or non-Jews who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is, is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Now, this is really sobering stuff. C.S. Lewis calls them terrifying facts, but we should not hurry past this. Christianity does at first present us with terrifying facts, but it does, if we'll be humble enough to be honest about our condition, give us a hope and a comfort beyond anything we could even dare to imagine. So if you, if you can't shake the feeling that you haven't met the mark, you haven't hit the mark, that you're desperately sick, well, that really just means that the mirror is clean and you are seeing yourself rightly. When the grumbling Pharisees questioned why Jesus ate with sinners, Jesus answered with this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So if I wanted to lie to you, if I hated you, I would say that you are well that you're perfect as you are and that you are enough. I would say you just need to realize that you are enough and you can love yourself back to life. I'd, I'd come up with a five-step program of things that you can do to shift that sense of guilt and inadequacy. I would repackage the gospel, soften the edges as some have done in order to stroke your ego. But I'm not going to lie to you because Jesus is a skilled physician so it is no bad thing to come to him sick. All the self-medicating just will not work. You need a better physician. To repeat what C.S. Lewis said, we have made an enemy of our only ally. But here is the good news. Jesus Christ came into this world to die for his enemies. Like Who does that? Imagine if, if you were to draw up a list of all the people that you'd be willing to die for, how long would that list really be? Like your spouse and children, your close family and friends, would you put random, random acquaintances on there? People that you consider nice and kind? What about people who you don't consider to be good? What about your enemies? Would you have people on that list who hate you? And remember, 
we're still only speaking in human terms. The creator of the universe, to whom all the peoples of the earth are like grasshoppers, died for those who hated him. Now that is a love like no other. There is today a, a really a circular definition of love, almost as if we have no idea what it is. Love is love is love is love. But the great story of the Bible is that the innocent died for the guilty and the victim died for the perpetrator. The creator died for the creation. This is love. Now, you can, you can speak positive affirmations over yourself until you're blue in the face. Go get them. You've got what it takes. But it will never be enough. Trying to save yourself is an unbearable weight that no person can carry. It will crush you and condemn you to hell. But what is of utmost importance is what God says of you. And if you repent of your sin and cling to Jesus and the work that he has done on your behalf, you are declared justified. It says Galatians, in Galatians 3 verse 13, God has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on that cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. So in the place of a curse, we get blessing. In, in the place of our rebellion against God, we get Jesus Christ's perfect record. In the place of our enmity with God, we get friendship with God. In the place of despair, we get hope. In the place of debt, we get forgiveness. Anything that you think might cause you to be overwhelmed with shame when meeting the gaze of absolute goodness, all of that was dealt with in full when Jesus Christ was crucified, taking the punishment for our sin upon himself. In Christ, we are freed from everything, from every sin. And there's a lot that is contained in that word, everything. Think about that today. I'm going to leave you with this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 9 through 10. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Thank you for listening. Coming up, we have Conversation Street. But before we get into that, here's a clip from our podcast, What's the Story, which you can subscribe to on all your favorite podcast apps. I could see like there'd been a lot of darkness, a lot of struggles with depression up to that point. And I just, just knew that if I didn't choose God, I wasn't sure what my life would look like and if I actually would be around for much longer. So I just thought I'll give God a go try and see what happens. And that was almost 20 years ago. It's been an interesting journey being a Christian. And there are days where, you know, you feel like you're clinging on by your fingertips. But I think what keeps me going is knowing what it was like before I met God and knowing that actually, even in the really challenging times right now, it's better than it was without him. Yeah, it's that thing of becoming a Christian doesn't equal a perfect life, even though, you know, you did say God really brought a clear sense of hope.
So welcome back to Conversation Street. Let's go to this camera. <laughs> I should really check these scenes before we go live. Uh, it's great to have you with us. Thanks, Pete, for that talk. Uh, Pete was, well, he didn't pull any punches, did no, he really? He really. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, which is why we love it when Pete talks. I yeah. mean, he is just properly straight to the point and it's great. So uh, we are going to get into that. Uh, big shout out to Isaac, who's joined us on Facebook. He's actually watching us from Kenya, mm. uh, it says. So, uh, Isaac, if you're still watching, uh, great to have you with us. Uh, Sarah's... I doubt that we can complain about being slightly warm. <laughs> yeah. I suspect it's probably a bit warmer. <laughs> I suspect you're probably correct, sir. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, do forgive all the tech around me. It's just so I can keep track of all the comments. <laughs> it's unbelievable the amount of tech we've got going on around us here. Um, but yes... Pete's talk. Mm. Let's get into that. Uh, whilst, uh, before we do, uh, it's worth saying you can post your comments, thoughts, ideas in the comments, either on Facebook or YouTube, uh, and we will try our best to go through. Any questions, any thoughts on that, do let us know. So, Dan, let's start off with a comment you wrote. In the space of desperation, we have hope. hope. Yeah, I love that as um, Pete sort of concluded at the end that we um we're not left mm. we're not left with so pete did quite a detailed explanation of the law mm. and it does get very very deep very very quick. quickly yeah um and it's taken me i don't understand it all but it's taken me years to to understand more and more about what what this was that was the law is there and the law the law of Moses, but just just the law. Say let's say the law of the yeah. UK. We know what's right and wrong. Yeah. Um, I was reading on Facebook today about there's a, a new law guideline in the UK about <laughs> driving, and if you turn into a road, someone can just walk out. And basically, they're in the right now, so we have to be careful as we're yeah. drivers. So there's that law to to guide us, but that law can't save us. No, we still break break that law and we can never keep every one of those yeah commandments and laws it's just a it's impossible it's po impossible we'd have to be yeah perfection and I, but i like that god's standard is perfection you know without that yeah i think i wrote in my notes that we we just have religion don't we mm. that the law is religion it's 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 a list of things to do yeah but it can't itself save you yeah such is the irony uh yeah. of it you know this is this is religion these are all the things that you need to do to get eternal life yeah uh, by the way you can never do them and even if you could that in itself could not bring you eternal life um it's a really fascinating yeah. conundrum uh that exists and so you in the light of that you then go pete is right there is this good news of jesus because without mm -hmm. jesus there's no hope yeah um and just thinking about your uh, driving thing there, Dan. I must fracture the occasional driving law. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I, there are some things about the, the state of English driving law that I'm not fully compliant with uh, all of the time. And as a result, I fracture those laws, mm. I'm sure. I'm not admitting to anything, especially on camera, but I would say I've probably not kept every single law down to perfection. <laughs> Some of that will be ignorance. Some of that yeah. is uh, and, um, intentional. 
Yeah, and even if we had robot drivers, I think there's still exceptions. Mm. We don't drive on tracks, do we? There's no. Yeah. There's always little. Yeah. Um, always these yeah. little nuance. Well, if it's as difficult as it is to maintain this, the driving laws and the standard of the driving laws, then the laws of morality, the laws of um, holiness, the laws that govern eternal life. It's not a surprise that they're slightly more complicated yes. yeah. and numerous yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, than, say, driving laws. So it's not a in, – in the context of that and in the context of the wider law of the land, it's not a big surprise, is it, that there is a law which governs mm. the kingdom of God. Um, yet we, we – there's no chance that we can keep it. And I think this is the fundamental truth of Christianity that – um, Pete came, he talked about it, didn't he? He came to it at some point in his talk. Well, we've watered down, yeah. in effect, the gospel to a degree that quite often we don't acknowledge this point or we don't understand this point. Would you agree with that? I think so, yeah. I think we come to a point where, well, perhaps we don't come to it, the church, religion, media, whatever it might be, comes to a point and says, oh, but that's a bit too, bit too hard, isn't it? Yeah. That might offend someone. That might be a law that a quite big group of people don't really agree with. Um, and and Pete put down this circle of love, didn't he? That, that yeah. sort of love, oh, we must love because we must love, we must love but but where's the standard yeah i always think that when i'm looking at the news and when i'm looking at my yeah, my yeah. own life and what i'm doing and um how i'm living and how i'm bringing up my kids how i'm bringing up myself um where's my standard yeah because i always think if if it didn't know jesus where mm. where do i go where do you find the answer yeah no, it's a fair one, isn't it? It's a tricky one because, and again, coming back to C.S. Lewis, you know, if you judge your actions right in the context of somebody else's actions, so, um, and this is very, we see this a lot, don't we, at the moment in, uh, in culture. Um, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, I'm on the left, you're on the right. I hold this opinion, you hold that opinion, you're wrong. Therefore, uh, you are bigoted or you're intolerant or you're liberal and you're left-leaning. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's, there's different accusations going across different uh, sides. So each side is measuring each side. So what are they measuring it against? Yes. They're measuring it against themselves. Yeah. So they're saying that I'm the source of truth, which then says, uh, because I am the source of truth, we come up with these phrases, don't we? I'm going to live my truth. Uh, do You do you yeah. uh, is, is one of my favorite phrases. You do you. If it works uh, for you. <laughs> if it works for you. As long as you're not hurting anybody. Yeah. You know, phrases like this, which I find very, very peculiar phrases in a lot of ways. So living your truth. So we have now elevated ourselves where we become the single point of truth in life. So I'm going to judge you based on my opinion of truth. Mm. And if you don't measure up to my opinion of truth, well, you're screwed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if you broke your own standard of truth... A few years ago, and you wrote about it. Yeah, <laughs> you're in a real yeah, yeah, yeah. pile, aren't you? Because yeah, what, yeah. What, what can you do? What can you do? And the, and it, and we see this. People get 
cancelled, mm. for want of a better expression, because of what they wrote on Twitter five yeah. years ago. And of course, they've moved on or things yeah. have changed or things. It's not that they need to not be held accountable for no. what they wrote, but we, it's a really interesting to, one, yeah. isn't it? it? It just proves that actually the definition of truth, the standard by which you are judging other people, by which you are judging society, that standard is constantly changing based on what you know and how you feel. Mm. And in, re in a lot of ways, who you're associated with. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, well, I'm going to get a lot of my opinions from my tribe. The tri tribe's going to help me form my opinions, aren't they? Um, and so how I feel, who I'm connected with, and the culture and society, you know, what I think about something at the time, that's my definition of truth. The problem with that, it's always changing. Yes. And so how do, how do we know? Mm. Because the goalposts are always moving. Yeah. And so it's, um, it's a f I find the conversation fascinating. Yeah. And I think, I think it's something we should talk about as well. That's what I, that's what I miss. Is, is that the right, the right word? I, um, on the news and in life, it's very hard sometimes to talk about certain things because they are maybe against the culture or yep. they're slightly to that side that people are a little bit wary about talking about. Um, I'm talking about universities and debates, mm. but surely if something is is right, it will hold up in a debate. Yeah. Let's talk about those things. That's why I love this. I yeah. love crowd that you can just put in your messages and we can talk about stuff because yeah. if something can't be talked about, then, you know. Yeah, where do we go? Where do we go? Yeah. Where do we go as a society? Mm. And it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's this whole thing about... Um, you know, that the, I, was, I was watching something the other day in the press talking about, is it right to teach our children um, about gender identity when they're five, for example? Now, I appreciate I'm opening a whole can of worms <laughs> uh, just by bringing out the question. But, but follow my thinking on this. Now, some people would say, yes, we should teach them as young as five. Some people would say, no, we should not teach them as young as five. And the people that say yes, I heard them saying to the people that said no, that they are curbing freedom of speech. Um, and so, you know, we should not, um, we should not not teach about this in the classroom because that was the whole argument. Yet the the debate back then was says, well, should we then teach about, I don't know, how to commit suicide when you're as young as four years old? And I can't remember what the exact topic was. I'm, and I appreciate I'm going very extreme to, to, yeah, to highlight point, the point. Yeah. And they were like, no, we shouldn't. And so then the, the definition should move. So it's like, well, no, hang on a minute. You, you're now saying that there are things that we should legislate that we shouldn't teach children as young as four or five. But this... And, and so our standards all vary, but like I say, based on, mm. on where we are. And so society yeah. has no standard of truth, um, which we would, and in Christian circles, would then say that is the gospel, that is scripture, and it is the fundamental truth of God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. So we would say that that is the source of truth. Mm. And I've used this example before. And I'm going to use it again, Dan, because I like it. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got the microphone. Um, <laughs> and so my question uh, that I've asked on Crowd before, and I'm going to ask you again, 
How fast are you traveling right now? It's not a trick question. I'm not trying to catch anybody out. I'm not traveling very fast. My, I'm sat on a chair. <laughs> My backside is still. And so relative to what I see around me, relative to the walls, relative to the studio, the desk, to you, I'm not moving, right? That is a source of truth. Mm. But the earth spins around the sun. So I'm spinning around the sun. Um, and I think it spins around the sun. It orbits the sun at like 28,000 miles an hour. <laughs> Pretty fast. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, I've never had to go to court to defend a speeding ticket and praise the Lord that I pray I never have to. Uh, but part of me would, would find it fascinating if someone went into court and the judge said, how fast were you going? And the chap turns around and says about 28,000 miles an hour. <laughs> Because yeah. that's how fast we're moving. I just can't see it. I can't sense it. I can't necessarily feel it because I'm looking at life relative to what mm. I see. And as we expand our view, we see a different story. Yeah. Um, and that's what scripture does, right? And that's what Pete was talking yeah. about at the start in terms of the contrast with his painting and and seeing paintings in, in a stronger contrast, paintings that challenge him. In other words, he'd zoomed out and he was seeing things in the context of a bigger story, a bigger truth, which said, actually, now all have sinned. Yeah. Well, that's a very, it's <laughs> a very interesting proposition to start from. Yeah. Where's your, where's your perspective, isn't it? That's mm. what, it, where's your perspective on earth? Is it, is it a heavenly um perspective yeah um and i think just sort of again not wanting to get too into um the culture at the moment but culture is a perspective yeah isn't it and and the church has been um uh what's that, how to describe it the church has been a place where culture has been mm. blotted out and we've missed um, great opportunities and great truths yeah. from different cultures and thought that our and sometimes a lot of the time our white culture was the yeah, yeah. was Christian and that's yeah. you know garbage yeah but we're so we As have we missed <laughs> yeah so we have missed missed that out as well and it yeah. can get mixed up with where culture can come in but but that still just goes back to mm -hmm. Jesus the creator yeah of all races you know the yeah. creator of of us yeah. Um, is just oh it's incredible awesome. yeah it's incredible so what's miriam put here in the comments hi guys peter talk was amazing i feel free in jesus he's given me the right to fear myself always which i, I totally agree miriam and this is the interesting thing isn't it I, the reality of it is there's this truth in the bible about grace grace is um we call grace a free gift don't we it's mm. something you can't earn um the bible says ephesians 2 8 you have been saved uh, by grace through faith. It's not anything you've done, so you can't boast about it. It's just something that God did through the work of Christ on the cross. You're going to have to deal with that, right? Now, it's just a lesson we all have to keep learning, um, that it's about grace. It's about what he did. So there's always this tension between, well, grace and works. So people read that and then go, well, therefore, I don't have to do anything. Mm. But that's not what it says. No. What grace does is it reframes it. So instead of working to earn my salvation, I have my salvation and therefore I can do works. Yes. Very different yeah. right perspective, very different yeah. feel. And so when it comes to identity and who you are in Christ and this understanding of the gospel and the work of Jesus and what he's done on the cross, 
Well, that's the same sort of thing, isn't it? I'm, I'm not working to try and earn that. I'm not trying to attain that by following certain laws. I have been given an identity. But out of that, I then live my life yeah. uh, according to my personality, according to what God has called me yeah. to do, according to that sort of unique flavor, I suppose, yeah. that uh, God's going to bring to the world through me because we all are unique yeah. and individual. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that... Um, in Hebrews, it says faith without works is dead, mm. doesn't it? So we've been saved, but if you're not doing anything about it, well, that's a bit... Technically, it says that in James. In James, yeah. sorry. I thought I got the right book as well. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just said the Bible. The only reason, yeah, just say the Bible. The only reason I said that is somebody, not probably Matt Crew, would have put in the comments, oh, no, that's yeah. not right. <laughs> um, so that we... We've been saved, but still, we can't just sit there mm. and keep this to ourselves. It's like we have this privilege to love others. Mm. We have this privilege to feed the poor. Yeah. We have the privilege to yeah. clothe, you know, bring the gospel, heal the sick, clothe, yeah. you know, help the homeless. It, it's a privilege, isn't it? It's yeah, it totally something is. that God has given us to do, to look after our a fellow man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can't get away from it. It's not yeah. like um, it's it's not like you're excused from it. I, I one of the things that I thought was fascinating um, was when Pete talked about the terrifying facts of Christianity. Uh, but we don't. Christianity doesn't leave you just with the terrifying facts. It gives you the hope. It gives mm. you the way out. The, yeah, the way of escape, for want of a better expression. Um, this phrase he used that I wrote down, um, we live in a world which tells us that we can love ourselves back to life, um, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Where, where do you think you've seen that? I think Facebook is <laughs> yes. the source of Facebook, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, that it's all... There's the Disney life that we can, nothing's impossible. Yeah. We can do it all ourselves. We're, within us is the yeah. the capability, which... It's, yeah, and it's come back to this again, isn't it? If I see myself as the source of truth, then I can see myself as my source of healing. Mm. Um, and I love that. Uh, what Pete drew out from the scripture, you know, that Jesus is the great physician. It's one yes. of the things he talks about yeah. himself in the in, in scriptures. Um, and he said, it's no bad thing to come to Jesus very sick yeah. because yeah. he's the greatest of physicians. Yeah. Jesus uh, said, I love that. I didn't come for the the well. Mm. You know, I'm a physician. I came for the sick. Yeah. I came, yeah. yeah. And to realize that you're sick is a big thing. I remember to speaking to someone, oh, I'm, real, I'm realising that I'm getting a bit old because today... <laughs> You're only we, just realising this. I know, today I went for a walk and I, and um, in Liverpool and I said, oh, do you remember that, that fun park that we used to go to down at the Festival Gardens in Liverpool? You can Wikipedia it. And <laughs> I was like, oh, that was 35 years ago. No. <laughs> Stone the Christ. No. Um, where was I going with that? Getting old. Um You've lost your train of lost thought now. Totally. You've totally gone to Festival yes. Gardens. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm hoping it will come back to me. I've no doubt. You'll get, a, you'll get that moment of revelation. But it is no bad thing to come 
to the vision the physician <laughs> Physician. I, physician. Sick. I can't even talk right now. Um, but yeah, it's no bad thing. It's no bad thing at all, is it? And so um, in closing, because I'm aware of time. Oh, sorry. Can I just... Yeah, you've, you've figured it out. I figured now. it out. So I was speaking to... I used to give out teas and coffees um, in Liverpool City Centre yeah. at like two o'clock in the morning to people that were slightly inebriated, um, <laughs> to homeless, and just chat chat about things. And um, one girl said to me, I don't like the phrase being saved. It's a, bit, it's a bit serious, isn't it? It's a bit extreme. Perhaps we should change that word. Can't, can we? No, you can't. It's being saved. It's literally being plucked out. That's the, that's the gospel. That's the good that news can of Jesus. Be. Yeah. Yeah. We need to be yeah. saved. We don't, we don't just need a pat on the back. No. Oh, you're whole, okay. You're not yeah, yeah, you're not too bad. You're an eight out of ten. Yeah, it, I'd have a lollipop. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. Um, and uh, that's definitely the Christian gospel, right there, isn't it? But the, again, the good news of Jesus. The, the thing that I wanted to draw back to, um, and I thought I wrote it down in my notes. I thought if you are new to the Christian faith, um, first time coming to a kind of church service or watching something like this, um, he used a phrase. He used this phrase, repent. You had to repent um, of your sin. And I thought, and then he goes on to talk, he talked about substitution. I'll come to the substitution in a minute. But it's this phrase, repent of your sin, which you'll have seen on billboards all over the world. Let's just explain what that yeah. means. Go for it, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> in its simplest terms, repent means to turn around. Yeah. I think it was a Latin yeah, can't be Latin. They didn't speak Latin, Roman term. It was repent. It was turn around. The direction you go in, realize that's the wrong way. Yeah, and turn around. Yeah, um, and sometimes there's there might be there will be consequences to that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not always easy. Sometimes mm. it's oh yeah, I know I was going the wrong way. Sometimes it's yeah. I don't want to turn around. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's turn yeah. around. So exactly, like exactly, it repent is turning around. It's it's recognizing you're sick, yeah, and going. I need to go see the doctor. Mm. It's recognizing your need to be saved. Yeah, that actually um, sin, missing God's standard, missing God's mark, which we have all done. We all know we have not attained anything in God's eyes where righteousness is concerned. We have to receive God's grace. That's all we can do. Yeah. All you can do is receive it. You cannot earn it. It is a gift, a free gift. And that's the beautiful mm. thing. That's the wonderful thing about the Christian Absolutely. faith. Um, and that's sort of what happens. And, it, and Pete talked about how um, we give Jesus our sin. He gives us his righteousness, which just means right standing before God. So he, the thing that stops us being able to be in the presence of God, Jesus takes and he puts us in the presence of God. And this idea of substitution where um, Jesus takes upon himself stuff that we struggled with mm -hmm. and gives us stuff that he doesn't struggle with. Um, so the Bible talks about he takes upon himself our sicknesses uh, and our diseases and that we get his healing. He takes our sin. We get his righteousness. We give him our fear and our anxiety. Yeah. He gives us his peace. There's this swap which happens the moment we recognize the need 
for grace. And this is what salvation is. It's not a it's not a problem in the sense of a lot of people, certainly when I was younger, were like, well, I don't want to do that Christianity thing. It's just boring and a lot of reg- regulations yeah. and rules, which a church, you know, to be fair, is painted. Far from it. You know, you there is a grace, a revelation of grace, which then says, right, I am standing in the grace of God. And all this stuff, all this fear, all this anger, all this bitterness, all this sin, all this jealousy, all this pride, I don't, all this shame. Mm. Jesus takes it all and then gives us all the cool yeah. stuff. That is why we call it good news. Yeah. Uh, That's <laughs> a great, um, just to bring up that word shame, because that something that in this culture and an Instagram lifestyle, a Facebook, a web lifestyle, mm. people live in shame. In a massive amount in of a shame. Massive world. Well, uh, thinking, why should I look like this? Why should I do that? Shouldn't I look like them? Shouldn't mm. I be like them? Shouldn't I have that much money? Yeah. Shouldn't I be doing that? Shouldn't that be my identity? But he's come to take away our shame. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that just yeah. amazing? Yeah, no, totally. Right. I think on that note, Dan, which I think is a very good note, we should probably end Conversation Street because I feel like time is, is, is <laughs> it's definitely running away from us. Uh, right. Next week. Let's talk about next week. Has Matt reminded me that I need to talk about next week? Yes. Coming up, we wrap Conversation Street. We promote the Zoom and we let you know what's <laughs> happening next week. God bless you, Mr. Crew. Um, so let me add this to the... He says... I would add it to the broadcast if I could find my flipping mouse pointer. That, nah, it's not going to happen. No. <laughs> I just can't see it. <laughs> so coming up next week, we have Dave Connolly uh, speaking with us. We're going to carry on our journey through the book of Acts. Um, and we're still on chapter 13. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, we are enjoying this. Um, so, yeah, we've got uh, chapter 13 carrying on with the book of Acts. It's going to be a few months. Let's just face facts. We're going to be another six months in the book of Acts. I would have it's thought it's going to take us through to next year. After which, you know what I'm really keen to look at? Relationships. Really keen. I don't mm. know if we will, because obviously you and I and Anna have not talked about this yet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we may be looking at uh, relationships. Yeah. don't know. We'll see. Any topics you want us to cover, do let us know, by the way. Yeah, We're definitely. super interested. Um so she's still 12 months of access, mate. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to be with Dave Connolly. Sharon is going to be hosting, I think, with me next week. Uh, so do come and join us for that. Uh, huge, you stepped in at the last minute to come and host today. So thanks for doing that. No worries. I need to get back and um, start the barbecue. <laughs> 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 tea. Barbecue night tonight. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that's what's happening next week. Of course, uh, if you have been watching on Facebook, we also live stream on YouTube. If you watch us on YouTube, we have started back again live streaming on Facebook. We do uh, live stream on both, which is why uh, Isaac and Hillary and various people are watching uh, us on okay. uh, Facebook, according to my my little thingy here. Mm-hmm. And Miriam apparently was on both. You were on both Facebook and, uh, <laughs> and YouTube. Uh, means you get us in stereo, I suppose. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, do like and subscribe wherever you prefer us. Uh, promote the Zoom. Yes. Uh, do you want to do that, Dan? So the midweek Zoom. The midweek Zoom. Yeah, just drop an email in, contact crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Church. I'll put that on. There you go. There we go. Um, and you'll get sent details of midweek Zoom to, to meet up and to pray. 
meet up on, online. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, we meet up, we catch up online uh, on Zoom, 8 p.m. UK time. That's 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, they're the two time zones I give out because most people know where they are in relation to those. Uh, but yeah, 8 p.m. in the UK. If you want to come join us in Zoom, it'd be great to see you in there. And like I said last week, coming up in crowd, we're going to start doing Zoom after the service so the service is okay. going to do you remember we talked about yeah. this yeah, do you yeah, remember that I do, yeah. <laughs> you just sounded oh, really surprised that. <laughs> <laughs> not happened since then <laughs> yeah and he needs to like the barbecue his stomach's yeah. talking um so yeah we're going to be doing zooms after the service just for 10 15 minutes to open it for anybody who wants to come mm. join in and say hi uh we'll be doing that um in the next few weeks we'll let you know once that's all set up and running um but yeah if you're if you want to after the crowd church service come and join in the zooms matt says where's the worship it's disappeared hasn't it it's gone yeah 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 so we go again we're changing worship we're going to do mm. worship in a different way uh going forward we're not going to do worship in the service um for a number of reasons really we've talked about this haven't we yeah. on the leadership team for a number of reasons one um I think doing worship on a live stream is quite tricky. Um, engagement, if I look at the engagement stats, uh, it goes down during worship, goes up during yeah. the talk, and then plummets if I'm hosting. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, no, I'm not. Uh, so we were just like, well, what would happen if we took the worship out, we went straight into the talk, we did a shorter conversation street and did a Zoom thing at the end. Now, that's what we're going to start doing on the Sundays, but... There are some ideas now around what, how do we do worship. Mm. So we're going to start curating playlists. Um, obviously, we've got the tracks we've already done, which you can see on YouTube. If you go to the Crowd YouTube page, you'll see all the worship tracks we've done, and you can uh, worship along to those at your heart's content. Uh, we're going to look at curating playlists, maybe on something like Apple or Spotify. I have no idea how we do that, but this was just some of the ideas that we floated yeah, around. We can speak to, um, I, I do PA at our church, uh, physical church and um, in person church. In person church, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I'm on the worship team of WhatsApp in, and they have a playlist of different songs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we could link we can put stuff in there. And then the other thing that we were thinking about is maybe once a term uh, or once a semester uh, for those outside of the UK. So there's three of them a year. So um, doing a live worship event where it's just worship um, from here, possibly. Uh, from somewhere else and so that's how we're thinking of moving worship to making them more like live worship events uh which we will obviously live stream out uh, over the world wide web and you can join in like you do on the youtube mm. stuff um so yeah there's all kinds of conversations around that so uh watch this space but as things currently stand there's no worship at the start of crowd do let us know what you think about this obviously we're yeah. making these changes and we'd love to get your feedback um if we're making the right decisions or the wrong decisions, you know, we, we feel like we're, we're hopefully doing the right thing. Um, but yeah, we'd love to know what you think about it. Matt says, love all the new worship ideas. Good. Uh, can no. we do baby shop? Uh, no. No. <laughs> not on any kind of level. You can Matt, but not, not the rest of us. Um, okay. So it is seven Oh one. Thank you so much for joining us, Dan. Thanks for stepping in last minute. Any last no words? No. Well, get in touch. If you, or any questions? Yeah, please. Doesn't stop now. You can still email in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Get in touch. Let us know. You can reach us via the website, which you can see on the screen down below: www.crowd.church or on social media at Crowd Church. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Not that active on Facebook. Not going to lie. We need to get better at it. 
Um, Instagram, usually somebody checks it once a week. Um, but on the website, if you go to the website, crowd.church, you'll see a WhatsApp number. If you message in, don't call on it because no one, it doesn't go through to a phone. But if you uh, message in, usually someone will get back to you on that number. Hopefully. Uh, it should be working. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining Dan. It's been great to see you. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. Uh, and Dan and I will see you very, very soon. All right. Bye. God bless you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here on Crowd Church. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button as well as that little tiny bell notification to get notified the next time we are live. And of course, if you are listening to the podcast, uh, the live stream podcast, make sure you also hit the follow button. Now, by smashing the like button on YouTube or writing a review on your podcast platform. It helps us reach more people with the message that Jesus really does help us live a more meaningful and purposeful life. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to check out our website, www.crowd.church, where you can learn more about us as a church, more about the Christian faith, and also how to connect into our church community. It has been awesome to connect with you and you are awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear and hopefully we'll see you next time. That's it from us, God bless you. Bye for now.